0: A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shots stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stalk. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight-pointers and the 12-ouncers. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24-pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Hey, bird hunters. This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Onex Hunt, Waltons, Nutrisource Pet Foods, Aluma Trailers, Grain Belt Premium Beer, Federal Ammunition, and by North Dakota Tourism. My guest today is Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, Jay Brecky. Jay and I will discuss geriatric bird dogs and how you can help extend their hunting careers. If you have an older hunting dog, this is a podcast for you. If you have a young bird dog, this is also a podcast for you because as we all know, time eventually catches up to us all. It's time to start planning your next bird hunt. If you've listened to this podcast for any time at all, then you know where I'm about to send you. That's to North Dakota. Why? Well, it's one of the greatest places on earth to watch a bird dog in the field. That's why. In North Dakota, you can experience a waterfall hunt during the peak of the fall migration and have the best upland hunt all in the same day. I've done it many times. That's why I know it's true. Plus, this year, the spring pheasant crowing counts were up 30% from last year, and the weather has been looking good for a strong hatch. Water levels are up way up, which means the total number of wetlands are up to 76% above the long-term average, and that means more ducks and geese. The state's breeding duck index was the 23rd highest on record this year, 39% above the long-term average at 3.4 million. All of this means more pheasants than last year, more ducks than last year, and I'm hearing excellent reports about the sharp-tailed grouse and Hungarian partridge too. Start planning your world-class hunt in North Dakota at hellond.com. Welcome to another episode of The Flush Podcast. I am Travis Frank. I'm your host, Brandon Morton, is the man that makes this possible and brings it to us each and every week. I appreciate you, Brandon. Hunting hunting season is here. It's here! It's finally here! I went hunting this morning and it felt really, really good. I we'll tell you more about it another time. We're going to get right into our conversation because we've got an excellent topic today, a topic that I think a lot of us will take a lot from. If you listen to this show, there's a very good chance that you have a dog, a hunting dog, a bird dog. Maybe that dog is getting a few years up there, maybe it's a young dog that will eventually get up there, but Jay and I are going to talk about how to help your dog extend their hunting career, taking care of them, uh, getting them through another season. Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, Jay Brecky, welcome to our podcast once again. This is, I think, your third appearance. Is that correct?
1: It is. Yeah. Thanks for having me again.
0: Is it, do you go by Doctor of Veterinary Medicine or do you go by vet or veterinarian?
1: No, so I usually just vet, but veterinarian is um, more correct, but I go by by, most people just say vet, which I'm perfectly fine with, but uh, yeah.
0: Are all veterinarians fine with that though? Because I got scolded by a listener for saying vet, saying that it was disrespectful to veterinarians and we need to say veterinarian each time instead of vet.
1: Yeah, no, I've met some people like that, so... Because vet can be short for veteran, and, and mm-hmm. so there's some people really want you to say veterinarian. But I still see a lot of even, you know, published studies that say vet.
0: <laughs> so
1: yeah. yeah, it's still interchangeable. But I would say the majority of people say
0: vet. So um, you've, like I said, you've done a couple podcasts with us in the past. A lot of great information. But if somebody has not listened to those shows yet, can you give us just a quick? Recap of where you live and your profession, where you have your clinics.
1: Yeah, so I live in Castle Pines, Colorado, just south of Denver, um, and I own two veterinary clinics. Uh, I've been practicing for over ten years, um, and most of my bird hunting is in Northwest Kansas. Uh, we've had a uh, ties there, and uh, eventually bought. Some property and have a little house out there on 480 acres, and so we do a lot of pheasant and bobwhite quail hunting, and then I'll go to Wyoming for sharp tails and northern Colorado for sage grouse and dusky grouse, just west of here, along with a lot of ptarmigan, and uh, so that's kind of kind of what I do. When I was born into it, um, been training dogs and hunting with dogs ever since I was born. So we are really big into the hunting retriever club. So a lot of retriever lab type of stuff, but, um, we had a duck lease in Southeast Colorado on the Arkansas river. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the bird hunting and the bird dogs were, I think what helped me become a veterinarian and, um, yeah, I enjoy it. And, the the older I get, the more and more I adventure out with different hunts, different locations, different people. And it's, really enjoyable i'm really i'm really liking it
0: do you specialize in hunting dogs sporting dogs yeah so once people
1: started figuring out that i had bird dogs and had you know I was a big part of my life then they started to flock in um knowing that i kind of specialized in that or had a lot of experience and so Um, never really truly advertised for it or really branded myself like that but it it took off and so I mean I'll have people drive one to two hours from the Denver area to come down and have me work on their animals which is oh it's 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 fun I really enjoy it I just love you know and I've gotten a lot of good hunting spots out of it just with discussions and trading on X points and so it's been been great having these types of clients
0: like I just love it well I it's very difficult to find a vet I'm sorry a veterinarian (laughs) that you can talk to one on one like I'll I'll use this as an example so a buddy of mine he had a question a couple weeks ago about a cough that his dog had so he was wondering if the dog might have kennel cough and if there are any signs that he needed to look out for to confirm that so he called the clinic and they said you need to book an appointment He's like, "Can I just talk to somebody real quick?" He's like, "I I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. I don't think there's anything to worry about, but I'm just I just want to ask a question." Nope. <laughs> I had to book an appointment, <laughs> you know, and like it's frustrating as a a dog owner, a hunting dog owner cuz you're out there running these dogs through cover like you just have little questions here and there that you want to just run by. And a lot of times depending on the clinic you don't know who's going to look at your dog when you get there, you know? And this isn't a typical dog that you care for in a way that, you know, some Americans care for their dogs. So why is it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a dumb question, but like why is it so hard to find a veterinarian that you can just call and just ask a question? Yeah, no,
1: that's funny you bring it up because we get that all the time. And, you know, a lot of it is, veterinarians still are kind of short staffed. And so I guess there's some vets and a lot of them are now corporately ran and ran. So everybody wants to play by the rules of, you know, not giving medical advice over the phone, booking an appointment, legality reasons, all that. But um, one thing that we do in our clinic is if you are family friend or you do have a hunting dog, it's very easy to make alerts in your medical chart. So if someone calls and my staff sees that, you know, they're a hunting dog and you have a question, then they will usually pass it along to me or all I'll try to call and, and make that connection just because that's a relationship that I want and want to keep. And yeah. I understand that from the owner standpoint as well. Um, but there's some vets that they just get fired up about that. They, they feel disrespected. They feel like everything should be an appointment. And I, I understand that that's, that's fine. But I, you know, if it's family friends or it's the hunting dogs that I work with to me, I make a effort and everyone that answers phones and emails and texts in my clinic, they know, Oh, it's one of the hunting dogs. Pass it on. I always call him. So that's, <laughs> that's, if you're, if you know, that's, yeah, that's where you just have to hunt around in your area for veterinarians that are like that. Cause they're out there, they're out there. So it's, hmm. but, um but yeah, there's, it's just, you know, it's, everybody wants to play by the rules and you look at human medicine and it's always these nursing lines that you talk to and nursing lines and everybody seems okay with that. But in vet, veterinary medicine, everyone wants to talk to the doctor. And, but, um, so yeah, that's kind of my two cents on that, but it's, I get it. I've been on both sides. So I, I see, I see what people are saying.
0: So this is, this is kind of a, a, a different question along the same lines. If, if you have that relationship with a doctor, with a veterinarian that, you can text and or call and just run the question by. Like, is there anything when you find that person that we can do as dog owners to keep you happy and <laughs> to keep you answering those questions without having to go through all of the hoops unnecessarily in, in appointments?
1: Um, you mean like locally then?
0: Yeah, probably. Like, I don't know. I mean, is there anything that some of your hunting friends? Our clients have have given you or done for you that you're like, yeah, I'm gonna around. Yeah, keep hunting, spots. <laughs> hunting, <share laughs> hunting spots. Hunting spots. Share hunting spots on the vet. There it is. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: So uh I feel like that's a good trade. <laughs> yeah. No, I um, I agree. Yeah, no, and I you know, I I see a future for me to have some type of app or separate business that people can contact me from all over the country for questions that they can come to me and bypass, you know, locally. Now, obviously every state has different rules, you know, here in Colorado, can I give Travis information that lives in Minnesota? Well, I don't know. I have to look into that, but I just think that that would be, you know, a good thing to have. So, cause you know, it's people want people, you know, veterinarians with experience, you know, I look back when I was in high school and I was big into football and weightlifting and eating lots of protein and lots of dairy products and the doctor I had was a swimmer and a cross country and vegan. (laughs) And um, he just didn't, we were never on the same page, but uh, you know, he still was the town doctor that I went to, but it's kind of the same thing where I find a lot of my uh, sporting dog clients and they come to me, they're just, they always said that they liked their vet, but they just felt like they didn't get it, didn't understand and that there was just never a connection. And so that's, that's where, you know, a lot I think of the
0: bottom line is if you find a veterinarian that you trust and that understands that you have a bird dog, a high performance dog that's out there working in the elements, um, and do what you can to keep that person happy. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just we'll just leave it at that. All right, let's get to the topic of discussion. So you and I were texting about this a few weeks ago, and you said that you were heading to a class to learn more about older dogs and i think it was like uh a, a specific there's like a new injection i forget the name of it was it uh lib librella lib librella i'm yep. not sure how you,
1: yep. what do you yeah call it? librella okay. um so yeah so it's not even out yet it's um made by the company called Zoetis um and they are saying q4 which will be this fall probably november cool. december I'm actually putting it in my orders in two weeks, but we've been using it in cats so far. They have a product called Silencia. So obviously when these new ing- arthritis or pain modality medications or drugs are being are coming out, they have to go through all the trials and the FDA approval and all that. And for some reason, the cat one came out first. And you know, obviously this is for hunting dogs, but I just want people to know that when we've been using it in cats, it's crazy the results. I mean, these cats are jumping up on the counter again. They're getting into people's foods. They're running around. And these are 12, 13, 14 year old cats that the owners are just in tears and crying about, just realizing how much pain they're in and how happy they are now. And they're even saying that their, their cats are annoying. And so then Zoetis came out with pretty much the equivalent in the dog because it is species specific. And basically, it's a monthly injection that just stops the arthritis or inflammatory process in, in your joints. And, um, and it's, I think it's going to be a game changer from just what we've seen so far. When I went to the lecture uh, last Monday, um, it was put on by a board certified um, veterinary surgeon who that's all they deal with is, is joints, joints and bones. And they went through all the studies, but what really caught my, attention was they, they did have before and after videos and it was impressive. Um, now obviously I'm not really an impulse vet and don't like to jump on new medications, new things right away. But this one I probably will just because we already kind of know how it works in cats. And then the videos that they showed of these dogs where the before picture of the dog barely gets up and it's walking around. And then the next video, you know, two weeks after the injection, it's running around like a puppy again. And, um, it was pretty impressive and so then i thought well you know a lot of these dogs are just going to the dog park or they're just hanging out at the house and they're keeping the squirrel population under control and but none of them are you know going to do what we do which is um which is interesting just because we you know we take our dogs to a whole nother whole nother extreme as far as yeah you know what they do and so i
0: mean in that dog world we're talking about high end athletes here oh, right big time.
1: Yeah. So that's why I think it was important that we connected to spread the word on this. And, yeah. um, you know, and I'm not getting, you know, sponsored by them or anything like that. I have a very good relationship with our rep just because uh, we're the only clinic that he works with because he only works with private clinics and all the other ones around me, which are, you know, 15 of them are all corporately ran. So I have a good connection with him where I always, you know, have he answers my questions and texts. And I mean, it's, I, I just feel like this yeah. is going to be, game changer. So I want people to talk to their vet about it this fall or look into it. They already have a website up. Um, And yeah, it's L I B R E L a labrella and to plan for it, think about it because I think that's going to be something that is, you know, we're going to have that 13, 14 year old hunting dog. That's going to be
0: still hunting, which we don't really see anymore. Wow. I mean, it's, it's not going to extend their life necessarily, But you think it's just going to extend the quality of the life that they have left.
1: Correct. However, one thing that this orthopedic surgeon pointed out that it's, they, they, it's interesting. You know, you think of like something like cancer, that's a terminal disease in animals compared to people. And that might be debatable osteoarthritis or degenerative joint disease or really these dogs that are like slowing down and can't get up or whatever. They consider that terminal because people will euthanize if their dogs aren't really moving. And I look back at you know, all the dogs we've owned in my family and there's probably five or six we've put down because of mobility, not because of illness. Um, and that's just because they're big labs or, you know, big, you know, sporting dogs that they just don't, they just can't get around anymore. And so that's, so will it extend the life? Probably, just because people maybe won't euthanize as quick. Um, but you're right, as far as it's not going to be you know a fountain of youth, but it definitely will help these dogs get around more to where it'll prolong that.
0: Hmm. How old are your dogs right now? Yeah, so the, why I'm so interested?
1: I have a dog that turns nine next month, and I've already seen arthritis changes. And then I have a puppy; she's one and a half. And so I have both sides of you know, speediness and recovery. And I see just the, the huge difference of eight years.
0: Yeah. So that was, that was our, our texts back and forth is, you know, you're talking about helping, we can talk about how to help people prepare their dogs that are getting older. There's a lot of other things that we will dig into here starting right now beyond the injection that you just went to learn about. But, um, just, you know, for you, a nine-year-old dog, to me, that's like, yeah, you're getting up there, but you still have, I think, or hope that you still have several, at least a few really good years left with that dog. I mean, what are your expectations of a bird dog and how long they can hunt or should hunt?
1: Yeah. So the, my nine-year-old, which is a uh, German short hair pointer, female, she's spayed. And I think the key with, and I've ran her pretty hard, 100 are pretty hard. And um, I would say that the biggest thing I see it when they get to the be this age, besides all the different medications and, you know, anti-inflammatories, remedy, all that kind of stuff is just their body condition score and how you really take them out and you, you know, warm them up and slowly get them back into the, um, you know, whatever activity you're going to do for the day. And a lot of us will just open up the back of the truck and boom, go. And even though that's easy and probably more practical, but you should technically probably get them out on a leash and just kind of walk them around a little bit and then just kind of do some short walks and then go. I I think warming up is important. And then weight management, I can't emphasize enough on weight management, how these dogs that come in that are truly overweight, because it's common when they get older, they're going to gain weight. But if you can manage that and keep that down, then, you know, those joints just aren't carrying all that weight. I mean, think about a 60 pound dog. They hold 60% of their weight on their front legs and 40% on their back. So, okay. So that's, that's 36 pounds on both front legs. So 18 pounds per leg. Now think of a 20 pound dumbbell. And then think about these tiny little joints on a pointer or, you know what I mean? And so that's, I think that's a fair amount of weight that they're hauling around kind of unequally based on the front and the back. And so that's where I think weight management really comes into play is that they just are carrying around less weight. And so their joints are not going to have as much um, degeneration.
0: Hmm. Um, let's see, where should, we, where should we start here? What are you doing with your nine-year-old dog right now just to prepare for this hunting season?
1: Yeah, so last year was the first time that I finally saw her really kind of slowing down. So let's say she was eight and more specifically, she has a new limp to like her front left leg. And just for anybody out there as a veterinarian and even, you know, the orthopedic surgeon that we work with, what we call non-specific forelimb lamenesses, which is either wrist or carpus, elbow, shoulder, or sometimes even the neck. Like think about when you have a tweak in your neck, you'll feel it in your arms. So these dogs, if they're walking on their front legs, And they have a tweak in the neck. It'll look like a front leg limping, but it's really the neck. So keep that in mind for everybody out there, but they're very difficult. Like back legs are simple. You know, you got a knee issue, you got a hip issue. And, you know, I I just feel like it's, it's easier to diagnose, easier to treat, but these front leg ones are just very difficult. And so that's where I'm experiencing, I just can't pinpoint it. She responds well to anti-inflammatories. I know she's getting older or I have a good weight on her. And so that's why now it's like, okay, I need to start giving her some injections and considering this new labrella that's coming out this fall and really try to say, okay, I'm now going to prolong everything. Cause I want her to hunt till she's 14 or 15. And so what I'm actually planning on doing is, um, Another type of injection that's actually been out for a while, and we also use it in horses, is called Adequan. So a lot of people actually might be familiar with Adequan, but it's an injection that you do um, pretty much monthly. You first start out by giving it, you know, every four days as a as a loading dose, but uh, Adequan is um, is a um, it's a it's a cartilage support injection that you give. Either in the muscle or like a vaccine, and it systemically will go to all the joints in the body and almost rehydrate the cartilage. It slows the cartilage destruction, it promotes repair, improves the texture of joint fluid, which kind of helps with increasing your comfort and mobility. And they actually extract it or get it from the uh cartilage in the in the windpipes or the trachea of cows. So at the slaughter plants, you know, the meat will go to us and the tracheals, this company buys and so they extract it. And this, this is a good, good product that people can consider and ask their vet about. And um, because this right here truly will increase longevity of the joints, specifically the cartilage. Because within the joint, you have to remember, you have a lot of enzymes, you have catabolic enzymes, which are enzymes that are bad. They're going to destroy everything. They're going to tear it down, erosion type of concept. And then you have your anabolic, which is going to be building it in, building up and um, rejuvenating it, and it's good for the joint. And so a lot of the things that when we talk about with these joints, including this supplement, um, a lot of the glucosamine supplements, a lot of it comes down to decreasing the bad enzymes, increasing the good enzymes. And so... The thing about this Adequan is they even say that you can use it in dogs that are one, two, three, even before you see anything, because it's been proven to prolong and keep cartilage healthier. And so I, I kick kicking myself for not doing it five, six years ago for my short hair. But now I know I'm going to start using it on my one and a half year old just because I truly believe in it. And I know it works. I've seen it work in horses and I've seen it work in dogs. And so that's something that a lot of people. Um, you know, bird doggers that are listening to this should consider or talk to your vet is what's called Adequan. Because I think that's, that's, that's key. I think that that's, that's... What do you, how do you spell that? A-D-E-Q-U-I-N.
0: Interesting. Sorry, A-D-E-Q-U-A-N. Sorry, A-N, not I-N. Um, are there any reasons not to do it? I mean, is it an expensive supplement? Well,
1: it, um, it can be, but the nice thing about Adequan compared to this Labrella is that you can actually, the first time you go into the vet, your vet or the technician can show you how to do it, and then you can take it home and then do it yourself. So that eliminates the technician appointment fees, the doctor fees, and you can do it at home. And so I would say, I don't know, I want to say, so say for a 60-pound dog that you're probably looking at 30 to 45 bucks an injection so basically that per month once you get done the loading phase so not horrible but well worth it
0: Hmm.
1: and you look at side effects and it's just it's pretty basic just because well not basic it's uh minimal just because it it is a a, you know very natural product there's a lot of times you know they'll get maybe an infection at the joint at the injection site but that's if you're you know not changing the needles out and you know the vets will go through all that with you or some dogs just have a reaction to it, no different than if a, you know, you have a reaction to a bee sting and your wife doesn't. It's the same thing with dogs. Like some of them do well, some don't, but the majority of them do very, very
0: well with it. Interesting. Okay, so that you answered my other question about it. You can do it at home. You do not have to go yep. in every single time because yep. yep. I I see what people say like I'm can. not going there once a month. <laughs>
1: yeah, or some people say I can't handle needles. I just want my vet to do it. Well, there's. Keep in mind that, you know, you, you might have a neighbor that's a nurse that will, can come over and do it. <laughs> sure. Uh, so anybody that's comfortable with needles. And there's YouTube videos all about these, you know, doctors and nurses. They, I mean, we want people to do it at home.
0: The flush. So fast, it hardly seems real. So vivid, the moment freezes in time before erupting in a blur of spurs and feathers. It's why we change the way
1: upland loads are built with prairie storms exclusive flight control flex wad
0: technology and a mix of copper plated lead and flight stopper pellets combine to create dense deadly shot strains through any choke longer shots more power fewer missed birds only from federal now's a great time to make the most of all that tasty meat you harvested maybe it's time to try a new recipe sprinkle on a new seasoning or make your own jerky and sausage trust me it's not that hard to do and it can be fun for the whole family it doesn't matter what you harvested or what you want to prepare with it. Walton's has you covered. Walton's has everything but the meat. That's their motto. Waltons.com has everything, and I mean everything you need to process and prepare your meat. Plus, they have an online community called MeatGistics that's full of recipes and meat processing information. The sky's the limit, my friends. You don't have to be a pro to cook like one. Head to Waltons.com today and enjoy meat processing season. Thankfully, it's a season that never ends. A healthy dog is a happy dog, and a dog's optimal health ultimately starts with an optimal diet. That's why I trust Nutrisource Performance Dog Food to keep Daisy healthy, and running to her full potential. NutriSource now has a full circle feeding plan that can help your dog achieve their full potential too. The full circle feeding plan revolves around their entire lineup of NutriSource dog foods that contain their good-for-life system. The NutriSource good-for-life system is packed with probiotics, prebiotics, and proprietary minerals that work together to support your dog's heart health and gut health. By combining this system and all of their dry foods and wet foods, you can rotate carbs and proteins like chicken, beef, fish, and lamb to meet and exceed your dog's needs and accelerate their natural desire to eat. Plus, their toppers like kombucha add even more health benefits for our dogs. Learn more about Nutrisource Dog Foods and the benefits of their full circle feeding plans at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. What, per, what percent of your clients are are doing this already?
1: Oh, uh, a lot of the sporting dog ones is because I, I talk about that. But percentage-wise, uh, it's not, you know, we see a lot of geriatric dogs, but it's not many, I would say, unfortunately, just because people don't want to do the needle thing, but um, I would say probably 10 or 15% of my clients, but it's, it's something that I'm pushing more and more now just because of what I'm seeing. I actually, we had the, um, the company come and, and do a lunch and learn for our staff, uh, two months ago. And it's just something you kind of forget about when, you know, these old dogs come into the clinic and you. You know, you give them their vaccines, and you talk about blood work and this and that, and then you kind of forget that this is even a, an option. Um, so, not many, but it's going to start to increase. We're, we're doing a big push on it because I truly feel it's going to be a game changer.
0: Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Because I, you can I do both together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, you can take both together, the Labrella and the correct. Um, now, the Adequence. problem with
1: yeah, the problem with Labrella is we legally can't send you home with a bottle and say, Hey, do this every month because labrella in um, reproductive animals, young animals, or then, which translates over to people. So women that are pregnant or trying to get pregnant it actually can alter a lot of the, um, some of the cells that are used for, for growth. And so that's, that's why it's, you know, an older animal. So so we can't for liability purposes, we can't, send it home with people. Cause if they accidentally injected themselves and that's liable.
0: Yeah. No, so that's the
1: downside it. with that one is you have to go every single month. That's 12 visits a year.
0: <laughs> do you think a lot of veterinarians are going to start caring and promoting this as it grows? I mean, it, it's not out yet, obviously the labrella. Yeah, I do just because I've seen
1: it happen with the cat version and because there's such good responses with minimal side effects, that it, it's, popular already. And it's going to just boom. So.
0: Okay. What is a, what is a PRP injection?
1: Yeah. So that's another alternative that's, it's called platelet rich plasma. Um, Now platelet rich plasma basically is going to be a treatment that you got that, you know, listeners can have for their dog. That's a specific joint. So say that your visual has a bad right knee or your lab has a bad left hip, your, your veterinarian can draw the animals, your own animals blood. And we put it in a centrifuge to separate the plasma, the red blood cells, white blood cells, cause we only want the plasma. Um, and we can actually inject that straight into the joint and platelet rich plasma basically is a, um, anabolic, um, protein or has a lot of growth factors It stimulates tissue healing reduces inflammation. It helps recruit a lot of repair cells. I mean, the, the science of it is very detailed, but just remember that it's, it's just very good for the joint for taking away the bad and bringing in the new. And so you can, you can actually inject it right into whatever joint your veterinarian discovers by x-rays or ultrasound or what you notice is the limping issue. Um, Usually the animal has to be put under sedation for that. Just a little, just a touch of sedation just because it is going to the joint and sometimes they'll, they'll move and we don't want that and you do it. And then what we do at our clinic, because um, we're fortunate to have an orthopedic surgeon that is, comes in weekly and he, he does these just because he's got the machine and the centrifuge and the testing tubes is we do it. And then we repeat it a year later then every two to three years after that. So it's kind of a, it's nice you don't have to keep doing it and in in people it's becoming more popular it's just that insurance companies weren't really covering it compared to like a knee surgery they'll cover so a lot of people were going to whatever their insurance would pay for but in dogs it's still you know for our if you wanted like both hips done I mean it's still you know it's less than 800 bucks that includes both hips sedation everything which you know people it's you know from what I've heard three four five grand so I think it's a good option if you have a dog where you'd know like hey overall it's pretty good except this one spot and that's that's where i think you should talk to your vet about prp or find a vet that can do that is because that's a, that's their own that's their own blood their own um you know growth fact that's their own good no, there's,
0: there's nothing potentially harmful that would be going into the dog's body no
1: just just injection site Infection, if it's not a clean situation or, you know, clean needle or all that, but that's, I mean, just huh. make sure you're, you're find a good vet. That's, you know, proper medicine on that. And I think another thing to take away too, is that this PRP and the adiquan both those usually take four to six weeks to really kind of kick in and work. Um, the labrella, what we talked you know, they're seeing earliest seven days, you know, all the way up to 30 days of a response. So a lot quicker. Um, and so that's something to consider too, is that that first month or two, you have to just be patient. But I, I've seen a lot of dogs where, I mean, I remember a case where it was an older Vishla that had just, his hips were rough and he was past the point of surgery and done hunting. And we did both hips. And in two weeks he was jumping on on and off the couch again. And the owner was just in tears about it. And so I've wow. seen quite a few cases like that, but I've also seen it not work.
0: Did that and dog hunt felt, again
1: then? Yeah, they tried to. So, but I think that, you know, it, it was still slowing down from elbows and everything else, but he still went out. So. Wow.
0: So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you got these, a couple of these options, you can do it every month. And then I'm like, okay, really? Most people are looking at like October or November, maybe December Maybe they start them in September to get, you know, that dog ready for the season and then take that summer off. Or once you start doing something like this, um, you want to keep it going?
1: Yeah, usually like the, the adequate something that I think that because of the, because you can do it at home, I, I think it's the more affordable one. Uh, that one, I think that you should do every month or two months, depending on how your dog's doing. And that's what a lot of the, you know, the company says too. Um, the Labrella one, I think is, I, it, you know, a lot of, it's still new. So we don't, you know, a lot of this is just sure. theory, but it's something where if you start it in August and then you end it January 31st, that by the time that end of February, March comes around, you're going to feel bad. You're going to see your dog start limping again. So then you're going to start it back up. So I think that Labrella, Clinically, from what people will be seeing, we'll be doing it every month for that reason.
0: Gotcha. You touched on this a little bit ago and I skipped past it, not intentionally. I, I wanted to have a pretty deep discussion on conditioning of our dogs and the weight. I've talked to other vets and some of them will say that they think over 90% of American dogs are overweight. Would <laughs> you agree with that number? Oh, big time. So,
1: like, The number one issue I see every day, you know, I still work 60, 70 hours a week and been doing that for 10 years. I see lots of cases and the overweight dogs and the behavior issues are just burning me out. Like there's just so many of that. And so that's what I like about a lot of these sporting dogs is that they're well-behaved and they're usually pretty lean. And I'm just like, Oh, finally. So if, but to answer your question, the overweight issue is, is is rough um and that's why i think it's very crucial for for people to stay on top of it you know we we get our dog most of us get our dogs when they're eight weeks and so when you get your puppies eight weeks just make a promise to yourself and the dog you're always going to keep it lean don't let it get past that point or don't say oh it's july and they're a little little heavy but once we start hunting they're going to lose it or no don't do that that's hard on the choice just do your best to keep them lean every year and yeah um yeah, because some
0: lot of that's nutrition. Just, some people, and I don't know where this came from. They're like, I want them to go into season with a little extra weight on, you know, to make it through the season. And I'm like, No, I don't really think that's a healthy thing for your dog. <laughs> We're not bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not hibernating. You're not going to not eat the rest yeah. of hunting season. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, no, I think that, that that's. I mean, technically, they might be right as far as. Calories, but you don't want to be burning off fat. That's just full of ketones and it's real acidic. That's not good for you. And then it's obviously not good to carry around that weight and then get active. And then, you, yeah, you're going to lose it. But that's no, that's not a good concept. I don't like that.
0: I mean, t- typically in most dog breeds, if you see the back two ribs, that's what you want, right?
1: Yeah. And then when you, you know, have an aerial view on top of them looking down, you know, you really want to see them have kind of a nice tucked up waist. Um, and then uh yeah, you know, a lot of it with the hunting dogs that you want to see the, you know, the back ribs. And then some of the labs, they'll have such a thick skin and thick coat that you might not see that. But if you can feel the ribs and as you kind of run your fingers along the ribs, if they really have a good divot, but you can't see it, that's a good weight. And then if you see them tucked up kind of right in the waist, that's that's good. Um, and then you can also look at, you know their frame and what weight they should have or, you know, what was mom weighing? What was dad weighing? What does my dog look? What kind of comments are people giving? What does my vet think? And you know, all that, because there's nothing wrong with them being a little bit skinnier. Um, That's easier to work with than overweight.
0: Yeah. Um, So I've heard from a few lab owners that they, they like to have this big dog because they want him to go in and take on the cattails and, you know, they're like, I, I like a big blockhead on him, a big lab, but what I end up seeing is, um, before the hunt is over, the lab is actually following the hunter because the hunter is creating a, a trail. And now I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, you just went and told me about how you just want this big dog to go through and bust. I want a dog that goes through and busts those cattails. But the dog is so exhausted that it doesn't actually do it for very long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, am I the only one that has seen that? You Have you seen that before, too, where people are just they want that bigger lab? But then the lab isn't really that isn't conditioned or maybe it's too overweight or whatever it might be. And and I hate I, I'm not trying to pick on labs here, but it's just that's what I have personally seen. I'm like the, in a half hour, the dog is done. The hunt is over for that dog. He'll go retrieve one when you shoot it, but he's not out there doing the busting that you were hoping that he would be doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, put yourself in that dog situation. Cattails are tough. And so, but you know, a lot of it is, you know, when you say big dog, is that muscle or is that fat? Because you can have, you know, a 70 pound male lab intact that is just all muscle. And, yeah, he and if he has the drive and the experience to know that most of those roosters are going to be in those thick North Dakota cattails and then he's going to just be having a good time. But then, you know, you'll see the 110-pound lab that's just a beast of a dog that might have the drive, but he's not only carrying around, you know, an extra 30, 40 pounds. It's it's just not, yeah, a lot of that is, you know what kind of weight is it? You know, if it's, if it's fat, then they're, they're going to be, they're going to be popping your heels. So.
0: How do you know though? How does that, how does that particular dog want to know if the dog that he or she has is carrying too many fat pounds or if it's muscle pound?
1: Just, yeah, where they hold it. So over the, if you, if you see that they're not really, um, you know, if they don't really have that tucked up waist or that you can't really feel or see their ribs, then, um, then that's obviously more fat than muscle, but, you know, at the same time, some of those big labs like that, they're just the way that they're built and their muscle fibers, they're, they're probably going to be more acute, short strength, you know, short walks rather than the endurance type of athlete. Um, And genetically, if they're just that big, they're that big. It's kind of just like a big lineman on football where they just can't, you know, yes, they're powerful and they can go, short strides but after that they're just done and that's just because of the physics of that that large of a
0: creature so (laughs) if if we haven't offended and and scared anybody away by talking about their dog if they can look at their dog and say yeah i would if i am being honest my dog is probably a little bit overweight okay so if they do that what, what do you recommend that they do now at this point? It's never too late to make a change. So don't get in the mindset of, well, it's been this way for six years. It's just, this is what it's going to be. What do you right. tell that person and how do you help them right now? Yeah. So the, I think
1: when it comes to overweight dogs, that I think nutrition is uh higher up on the list compared to increasing exercise um, from what I've seen. So basically if, if, you're in a household where your, your wife or you have a baby that's dropping food or a toddler that's giving, you know, treats uh, and you as a family, you're not on the same page of not feeding the dog, not letting them get all these table scraps that you, you have to eliminate that. Cause that's where a lot of calories come from. And then as well, normal uh, dog treats as well and different, you know, dog biscuit in the morning, dog biscuit at lunch, dog biscuit at night. And I mean, my, my dogs get no dog biscuits and we do our best to keep them from, Uh, getting treats from the family. So then, then you have more control with the scoop in the dog bin. And so basically, in my opinion, uh, without getting into the weight loss or metabolic diets, if you say, okay, I'm going to continue my normal exercise and not going to do treats and human food, I'm going to just say, Hey, instead of two scoops in the morning, you're going to get one and a half and at night I'm going to do one and three quarter and you just basically adjust like that. And you keep all the other variables the same. You're probably going to see weight loss in a normal, healthy metabolic animal. Now keep in mind if you're fighting that and make sure your vet checks the thyroid and you're just like, this isn't working. I'm following these recommendations. Then yeah, then that dog might need to go on a weight loss food, weight management food, one that specializes in calorie control or different uh, supplements in the food to increase metabolism and basically keep the weight off. And so um, that's kind of how I I look into all that because I I do think it's more caloric intake than anything. Now, with that being said, we all have seen, you know, how skinny our dogs can get after a lot of hunting. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So that, you know, obviously exercise is important, but that's – you know, you just can't hunt and have that type of exercise year-round. So that's why I think it's important to focus on the diet.
0: Well, most food, dog food, and so I feed Daisy Nutrisource, um, and she's on the same performance chicken and rice uh, food. There are different kinds of food. So, like an adult, an old, you know, like an older. You got a puppy. You've got performance, super performance. Uh, you know, there's, what I think what I'm getting at is there's different food for different ages of your dog, right? Most yeah. companies will, will offer that. What's the difference in the food when they get a little bit older? Is it just the amount you're feeding or the protein? Or what is key that you need to be looking out for for older dogs?
1: Yeah, so every, every company is different on kind of all the different percentages of fat, protein, quality of protein, um, older dogs, you know, they might add in a glucosamine have less percentage of fat. And so basically they've just proven and have done research on at this age, this, I wouldn't say breed, they, they classified as small, medium, large, giant breed dogs. So let's just say your, your um, setter's uh, medium size that then they say at this age, we have proven that it needs this amount of protein, this amount of fat to help maintain a healthy weight and there's some vets that really get into that i never have just because i i there's so much other things that go into it like we already spoke about and then obviously you have the genetic factor sure and so i i just find that um you really have to experiment and try all the different types um to see how they respond because even though, you know, you might say, well, my lab just turned seven and the vet says it's a senior and I'm going to go buy the Nutrisource Senior. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, here, Jay, here's an interesting thing. So I was at Pheasant Fest this past winter and I had somebody come up to me and we were talking about dog food. And he, because he knew that I feed Daisy Nutrisource. And he said, hey, I just wanted you to know, I was having health issues with my dog and she was getting seizures. and." doc, their vector told, veterinarian told me to switch dog food, try different dog food. He goes, I switched to Nutrisource, and my dog has never had a seizure since. Have you ever heard of that before where dog food can cause a seizure?
1: Um, no, not really. I mean, I think seizures are something where a lot of people will try to point to different things that can cause it, but I w- I will say that I've probably had a handful of cases, um, many that, well, it's a handful probably that um, that we've tied certain things and in, in even a couple, two seizures, yeah, by changing of diet. And then a lot of that might come down to the protein because the protein will then be metabolized into nitrogen, um, which can be a trigger for seizures. So if you do find a, a food that has maybe – a different type or lower protein that the dog handles very well. And that's not lowering that seizure threshold. Then, then you have success of stopping the seizures. And so that's definitely a possibility. Um, You know, even like, there's even some dog foods that are coming out with neurologic focused foods, which again, I, I honestly, I kind of, nutrition's kind of boring to me Um, as a vet. I'm, I'm never really into it, but I just know that, they're trying to make food pretty much for every type of cause, every type of issue. And so they, they, they found different foods or different combinations of how they make it that are supposed to decrease neurologic issues. And so, yeah. So I think that it's a, it's, it's possible.
0: Okay. So you've got a food that you trust, right? You, you're feeding a dog and you believe you're giving them the right amount. Um, You've got an older dog. You want to make it a great hunting season, what else can be done? You you mentioned glucosamine. What what do we need to know about glucosamine?
1: Yeah, so glucosamine
0: is going to be
1: just a that's going to be your true oral or, or um, supplement that dogs are going to eat um, to help maintain joint health and. Within that, there's just a a combination of all sorts of, you know, you hear about the chondroitin, MSM, same stuff that we take as as people for joint health. But a lot of that is basically just supplements that, again, promote healthy anabolic enzymes, kind of lubricate the joint, um, decrease the inflammation. You know, a lot of these joint supplements now have some, uh, or glucosamines have some different herbs in them like turmeric you know everyone knows about turmeric that turmeric yep yep um and that's basically going to be uh you know antioxidant decrease inflammation in the joint or in the body and then uh, another one that's called boswellia that also decreases inflammation and so when you combine these with the um a mixture of fish oil supplements as well and or or good good oils or good fats that they can eat and it goes to the joints, then that's a daily supplement that you can give that will um, help with joint health. So
0: gotcha. If you're an active outdoorsman or woman on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you need to haul. Well, our friends at Aluma Trailers, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa, right here in the good old USA. They have models for all of your hauling needs, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma Trailers tow gear like a dream their trailers are constructed out of lightweight strong corrosion resistant aluminum and they are 100 percent maintenance free plus they come with an industry best five-year warranty visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day, and now that app is available in our vehicles. Yep, Onyx did it. They launched Apple CarPlay. That means when you plug your phone into your vehicle, you now have the option to open up the Onyx app right on the dash of your hunting rig. No more holding your phone while driving, which is obviously dangerous, and you get all of the same layers on your vehicle dash that you get on your phone. You can see the aerial view of your location while driving down the road, just like you'd see if you're using your own... Maps, Apps, ways, or Google Maps. Except now you can find out if the properties around you are open to the public, the landowner's name that owns the land, and if you're in North Dakota, you can see if that land is posted without even touching your phone. To use this feature, simply make sure your Onyx app is up to date. And if you're not an iPhone user, don't worry. Onyx is currently working on the same platform for Android phones too. Apple CarPlay, the latest incredible feature from Onyx Hunt. Always know where you stand, and now where you drive with Onyx Hunt. Are there any foods, you talked about not giving your dogs human food, um, but you know, sometimes people say uh, crack an egg and put it in the bowl with the dog food. Are there any foods like that that are good for a dog? Maybe it's um, uh, not necessarily just egg, but I'm trying to think... Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it. I can see it. My kids eat it all the time. Uh, some sort of a a yogurt or something like that. That there's some good. Um, dang it! I'm drawing a blank. Help me out here, yeah, Jay. I don't
1: know. I'm trying to think too. Um,
0: well, I mean, What's honestly, it, what is in yogurt that is supposed well, to be probiotics? Yes, a probiotic. Yeah. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Are there any any of those type of human foods that people give their dogs? occasionally that you say actually that's a good thing or nope that's actually not a good thing
1: yeah so you have to make sure it agrees with their stomach so i mean a raw, raw egg still has the potential for salmonella even though low so you might want to cook it but if your dog can handle it and it's not overweight and can handle those calories then that's fine the yogurt though is controversial just because the yogurts that your kids are eating or that we're eating has probiotics that are specific to the gut flora of humans and they've proven that dogs and cats have their own. So that's why it might not be bad for them. It's just maybe not the correct population that they measure them in, you know, millions and billions of, you know, probiotic particles, but they do make more dog specific ones that I think is is going to be better. So I don't, I don't think, you know, if your dog does eat any human yogurt, uh, there's better options, but it's not bad for them, but but it's not as, you know, that's, that's really formulated for people.
0: So what is, what are supplements that you recommend and when do you recommend people start feeding their dogs?
1: Yeah. So the, if you go on Amazon you go online, you type in dog glucosamine, everybody and their brother has some thing that they're going to support and recommend and the ingredients are, you know, whatever they are. But in 10 years of practicing i've seen and experienced what i you know the, the good products and bad products ones that don't work and ones that do and so the one that i really like is made by a company called Nutramax and it's called Dasiquin Advance and it actually has eggshell membrane in it now so talking about your eggs that's actual eggshell membrane so it's all in one and it has the you know the supplements we talked about before but that one right there the Dasiquin Advance that That one to me is, is, you know, backed by veterinarians and the only one I carry just because it's too difficult to have so many other, you can't stay on top of too many supplements. You got to pick one that you think works the best. And that's the one that I truly, truly like is that um, it it just works. I've seen a lot of dogs respond very well to it as far as their mobility and their uh, longevity.
0: Can you say the name of it again?
1: It's called Dasiquin Advanced, and that's D-A-S-U-Q-U-I-N, Advanced. And now there's one that's with eggshell membrane.
0: And is that a daily supplement?
1: It is, yeah. Daily chew. And you
0: get that on Amazon? I think they have. So it's come,
1: there's different generations that have come out, and each new generation, you have to get through the vet before it then pops up on Amazon or online, but... Most of your veterinarians will have this one just because I think the newer form is veterinary only. But keep in mind, a lot of your veterinarians will have their own online pharmacies that are linked to your medical record that you can access online that then links to their medical record, so you can have it shipped to your front door. So that's what I would look into for this one because there's Dasequin, then there's dasquin Advanced, and now there's dasquin Advanced Egg Show Membrane. So technically, there's three.
0: And you recommend the eggshell membrane one. one
1: yeah the new one so
0: okay um just a couple things here before we wrap this up um, one of the most popular questions i'm sure you get asked this too but we we bring it up every time we have a vet on the show when do you feed your dog during hunting season morning yeah. night both only at night yeah so the the what
1: you're you know hinting towards is um possibilities of you know the stomach twisting or bloating um and also just you know does my dog have energy to uh hunt that day if they did or did not eat that morning um what i've i think we talked about this last year too what i do is i always feed um smaller amount in the morning and then a little bit more in the afternoon uh, or after the hunt um, there are, you know, most of dogs, they won't eat in the morning and there's nothing you're going to do about that. You just need to go hunting you're not going to sit there and hand feed them, force feed them. If they are <laughs> not going to eat, They'll just move on. Don't, don't fight that. Um, but this is, this is a very debatable topic amongst veterinarians. And so if, you know, if you look at the twisted stomach issue, you know, there's lots and lots of different things that go into it, but they do state that if, you know, there's an increased there's a, there's an increased risk if, you know, if your dog eats before or after, you know, some type of strenuous activity that it can happen. Um, so everyone needs to keep that in mind. Um, but I, I always feel that they need a little something in the morning and if they will eat, then I usually just kind of do about half and then I try to catch up maybe, you know, in the afternoon and then right before maybe they go to bed just to kind of make sure that the, the day they get their calories in. Um, and so that's what I personally do, but there's, I know a lot of vets are, or not a lot, but many vets, and some people that um, they just don't feed at all in the morning, just because they don't want to risk it. And that's, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You might see your dog might be more sluggish, but
0: well, but I've yeah, heard that it can take question. it can take twelve hours or, or more before that food gets processed into energy after it's eaten. Anyway, so if you're feeding yep. them in the morning, it's not necessarily going to help them that day. Nope. Yeah,
1: and every dog has. A different type of digestive um you know time frame and every food has a different time frame as well. And so there's that's yeah two variables that you don't you have no idea about. But um yeah a lot of that food, you know, it, it can still be in the stomach and some of it maybe gets utilized, but maybe you no know, you know the protein might, but the fat won't just based on, you know, what's metabolized first. So but I would say just like You know, just like when, uh, well, I remember when I played high school football, um, every Thursday night we'd have team dinners and it was lots and lots of pots of pasta. So you're carb loading, you're loading up on heavy meal to then have the energy for the next Friday night game. And so you can, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that for dogs too. So if you're getting ready to, to hunt the next day and that night, yeah, load them up. So long as they don't get diarrhea from it, but if you want to feed them more and they're not amped and know what's going on and they, they will eat, then maybe give them another half cup or cup to a time that kicks in. It's the next day.
0: So one thing that I've taken with on hunting trips, since they came out with it, Nutrisource has, it's called kombucha. Yep. It's like the kombucha that, that humans drink, but kombucha and it's, it's a topper. It's a bone broth topper. Um, it's full of a lot of like helpful things that help with the, Um, if it's dehydration or if it's antioxidants or digestive issues or things like that, like it's just a lot of good things that go into it. Plus if you have a dog that doesn't want to eat, sometimes they get, I don't know if it's stressed out or whatever it might be, but I've seen dogs that just will not eat during a hunt that can put them over the edge. They smell it. Like it just, it, it makes them hungrier. It's not harder to eat that dry food. Uh, softens it up things like that but it just like creates that appetite for that dog too so for hunters hitting the hitting the road here in the coming weeks i highly recommend it i really do like it has been i've seen it really save dogs that might not have uh, made it through the week of hunting so that's my recommendation there jay did you back that would you say that's a yeah, good and practice I, I like
1: that. I like that product because I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's loaded with like prebiotics and postbiotics as well. Too. So it's yeah, kind of, a, yep. it helps with the stress and the diarrhea that we all see. So yep. how many times have you, you know, within the first hundred yards of hunting and your dog stops four times with loose stool.
0: <laughs> I mean, <that's>, we've all <laughs> seen it. When you got a point and you let you get the buzz. Well, I don't know if I trust that point. I think it's a cool yep. point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and then
1: yeah, anything that can stimulate the, the, well just entice the food and uh, add some more calories and get them to eat. then, yeah, there's um, yeah, i'm I'm a fan of that for absolutely.
0: Is there anything else for older dogs that we want to touch on before we wrap this up? Anything that people should be thinking about or watching out for or that you want to encourage them to do? Yeah, I think
1: I'll make this pretty quick just because a lot of it's pretty self-explanatory, but um, you know, in people, we can go in and get steroid injections, um, you know, cortisone injections in your knee or shoulder or whatever. And that's, and it, you have to remember that that's, that's the catabolic or the, the breakdown process that we're talking about. So that even though you might get pain relief, it's going to be harder on the joints longer uh, later on. So kind of I'd recommend people kind of avoid that. Uh, and then you have your anti-inflammatories. So Everyone's familiar with the Remedil or Carprofen, uh, which would be no different than if you before a hunt will take ibuprofen or Aleve or Advil or, you know, everybody has anti-inflammatories that they want to use. So dogs have their own. And so I I think it's, you know, as long as they have, you know, a healthy GI system and good liver and, and good, um, good kidneys, then that's there's nothing wrong with having anti-inflammatories like Remedil on hand that you can give. Um, before, after hunt, or if your dog's sore or, or lame, and th- these all can be given together that we've talked about so far. So keep, get that on hand. And then, then you get into the other modalities, um, like physical therapy, acupuncture, things like that. Now I will say physical therapy, I, I like it. It's just, the problem is, is that most dogs don't want to go to the vet. So if they have to go to the vet and then have to do physical therapy things, it's just kind of a struggle. Um, some dogs do really well, like the labs will love to get in the water and swim and just have a great day, but you might get a Weimaraner that just does not want to go to PT, even though it is good for them. And so that's turned out to be a waste of money. So you have your physical therapy, acupuncture, and then your anti-inflammatory, those are all kind of the same thing. So I think it's important this fall or, you know, in the next couple of weeks, if you go in to talk to your vet and just say, Hey this is the podcast I listen to. These are the things I want to find the best one for my dog. Let's talk about it. And I think that would be what I would recommend. I think it's, I think it's important. Yeah, I was not- going to wrap
0: that up and say, rather than calling Jay to get all of these, <laughs> talk yeah. to your veterinarian, ask him, you know, make a couple notes here and say, Hey, I've got an older dog. I want to hunt. This dog yeah. wants to hunt the head. The mind is there. The will is strong, but the body is starting to go a little bit. I, I want to see if I can add a few years of hunting with this dog of mine and, you know, talk about some of these, just these topics or these op- options, I think is a better word. Um, and hopefully they can direct you as well. And if you don't trust that opinion, just like if you're going to the doctor yourself, it's never hurts to get a second opinion. Yep. Uh, Jay, I, I will say this, you know heading out to the field, painkillers or anti-inflammatories like you said, is there just one that you would say this is what I would take, this is what I do take out there so that people can look for it during a hunt and you know maybe it's a long hunt if they're heading out west and they want to hunt for 8 10 days that they come prepared.
1: Yeah, I think Rimadyl is my go-to. I just I like it. It just works. You know, there's a lot of other brands. People have probably heard of Previcox. Uh Duramax, Medicam, Galloprant, list goes on. But Rimadyl to me, as long as your dog doesn't have any health issues or any reactions to it, that's a good one to have in your first aid kit.
0: Perfect. Wonderful, Jay. I know you've got some big hunts coming up. I hope that they are fantastic for you. I appreciate all of your knowledge and willing to take some time away from a busy clinic to share with us. It means a lot. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. And good luck with your hunting season as well.
0: I appreciate that. It's here. We're hunting. And I hope you are too. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Flush Podcast.